Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show. Your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Here's your host, Frank Saravalli. Unlike the Carolina Hurricanes, we are not canceled, at least not yet. Uh, at least no one's told me so. This is the Daily Faceoff Show, and it is Tuesday, January 11th. He is Mike McKenna, former NHL netminder, now Daily Faceoff analyst. Mike, what's up? How you doing? Oh, man, had an exciting weekend at Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri, coaching an 8U tournament my daughter played in, outdoor rink. On a golf course, everybody stayed on campus. You can imagine what that was like with the parents and the kids. Did you get any coaching in this weekend, Frank? Yeah, we had one game on Saturday. Uh, not a lot to speak of. It was actually one of our rare losses of the season. But you forgot to mention the most important part of part of said weekend in the Ozarks, and that would be the indoor water park uh, also yeah. there. So, yeah, really key part of the weekend you left out. Yeah, well, I got my writing done poolside. I've been lucky this year, man. I've been writing my mailbag next to indoor pools somehow. At some point, I got to get in the water, though, Frank. I'm sick of just sitting by the side, man. Yeah, well, I hear you. Let's uh, let's dive in. Speaking of getting in the water, we got a lot to tackle. Uh, a couple news and notes this morning before we throw the two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. The Detroit Red Wings adding Nick Lidstrom as VP of Hockey Operations, the Carolina Hurricanes. None too thrilled about their situation and how it's played out there in Philadelphia. Their game tonight canceled. Although the Flyers, and it was they were canceled because of the Flyers' COVID-19 issues, yet the Flyers did practice today, had 13-6-2 on the ice for practice. And in addition to that, Claude Giroux, their captain, was out of COVID-19 protocol. The, the Hurricanes couldn't get their flight out till Tuesday night, and they had a situation where they went to go practice at Wells Fargo, where their gear was hung up, and the Wells Fargo Center decided to put up the boards for the Sixers game on Wednesday night. So, ba-dum-bump, sad face emoji for the Hurricanes. <laughs> Trip gone wrong in Philly, game canceled, and they feel like it was for no reason. But we've got a lot of other topics to get to, Mike. Let's throw that two minutes and 30 seconds up there. Let's talk about the Boston Bruins heating up. Uh, hopefully, uh, there's certainly their run has been a lot less painful than Brad Marchand's nose. Not sure if you got a chance to check that out. Ultimate hockey guy last night. It, it looked like he was bleeding. This was in the first period. And if you saw him in the third period, it looked like he was still bleeding throughout the entire game. They could not get that fountain to stop. But still, what a night for Brad Marchand and the Bruins throwing a seven spot on the caps. Brad Marchand has a couple of tallies and Matt Grizzlick, a five-point night on the blue line, doing something that no Boston Bruins defenseman has done since Ray Bork in 1994, back when Grizzlick was just five days old. The Bruins are on a bit of a heater, five and one since the COVID pause and the holiday break. What do you like about what you're seeing in Boston? 
Well, I would have liked the Grizzlies 5.9 if he'd still been on my fantasy team. And I always get a kick out of seeing the old nose tampons in like Marshawn had. And oh. anytime you score two goals when you can't even breathe through your nose, pretty impressive. But, you know, that game was two heavyweight teams uh, sitting in the Eastern Conference. And like Boston wasn't ready at the start, but they finally got some life as the game went along. And they started, they scored two goals on the power play late in the first, but they're able to carry it now with their five on five play ever since they've split up their top two lines. Now you've got uh, Marshot going with Bergeron with Craig Smith on the right side. Second line now features Taylor Hall, Eric Halla, and Pasternak. And Pasternak's been hot. Five goals in his last six games. But the biggest difference for me is the way Taylor Hall's playing. Eight points in the last six. It's sped up that second line. It's given them secondary scoring. They're not just relying on the perfection line any longer. Uh, so they were good on the power play. They went two for four last night. Washington didn't get very good goaltending. Uh, both Vukali and Vanacek got beat clean several times. And I thought Olmark was pretty good. He has been good lately. But Frank... There may be a, something looming in the Bruins' future in the net I'm hearing, and it might be a crowded crease soon there, but they're trending the right direction. Yeah, I mean, it's been looming for a while. It feels like how long Tuka Rask has been on the ice, but do they actually need Tuka Rask? I don't know if they need him, but I think that confidence boost is really big. And, you know, I, Swayman's been up and down throughout the season. He's been kind of streaky, but Olmark has been getting better and better as it's gone along. I do think that there's that extra credibility, though, when you bring Rask into the mix. And especially in the COVID world right now, you never know when you're going to need three goaltenders. I think it's only a position of strength if Rask comes back. Yeah, I mean, certainly be interesting to watch what happens exactly with Swayman. Do you keep him around as the third goalie? I'd imagine you'd get him to Providence and try and get him playing as many games as you can. But that brings us to the way the Boston Bruins have separated themselves in the Eastern Conference. You look at the standings now, and there is a huge gap between eighth place in points percentage, the Bruins at 625, the Detroit Red Wings, the next closest team uh, tied with Columbus at 500. When I look at the rest of the East, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, hold on a second. I don't know that any of these teams below the Bruins can mount any sort of significant comeback. What say you and have, has the East, is it going to be devoid of drama at this point? Uh, you know, you look at the Bruins and, and the space that they've created you're going to need either one team that's in that top eight to epically collapse in addition to uh, one of those teams below them to, to slide up and go on a significant run. What do we have to look forward to in the East over the next four months? Uh, I think you're right, Frank. It really is eight teams that are currently sitting in a playoff spot right now. I believed in Detroit, and I really thought that that was a team that would probably uh, was, was overachieving but starting to become reality for them, they're not defending well enough. I mean, they're they're third in the league in high danger chances, and and Nedeljkovic has done everything he can to keep them in the mix. I don't see anybody jumping up from that lower pack there. Aside from, I mean, the Flyers are maybe the one team I think that would have the skill to do it out of that group. I think the bigger question is, can Pittsburgh grab one of those top three spots in the Metropolitan? I think that's realistic. will it matter. But it's, I, I don't know if it matters, but it's a question I want to ask. Like, I think that they can get up there. I don't know about Washington's goaltending as much as Pittsburgh, but it's pretty even. Like, you're seeing these three teams in the Metro jockeying between one, two, and three. I mean, you go between Carolina, the Rangers, and Washington. They're just going like this, and Pittsburgh's going to be in the mix as well. And those games at hand for Boston, I mean, who knows where they end up at the end of the year, especially with Rask coming back. So I do think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion, but we're not seeing separation here, Frank. Like, Who's the real horse coming out of here? 
I'm not sure. Every week it seems to change, man. It's going to be really intriguing, at least within those top eight where they slot in for playoffs. Yeah, I just I'm not sure that it matters. Like Carolina is the team that's sort of created some separation with points percentage by virtue of playing. They've played four fewer games than Tampa, for mm-hmm. instance, when you look at this. So I always think these standings are deceiving when you're not looking at it by points percentage. But the funny thing is, it's so I, I just don't know that it matters in terms of one to eight. You're really maybe one to seven. You're really not finding much separation at all. Um, I don't know that there's even really an incentive to go out and try and win your division other than potential uh, for more home dates, which obviously in, in a revenue world means something to teams. But uh, the West is the exact opposite. It's a total mm-hmm. mess uh, at the bottom, which is going to make these next four months really fun. So we've had a bunch of coaching changes this year, Mike, and we've seen some incredible bumps. Uh, Bruce Boudreau has given uh, the Vancouver Canucks, as much as he would hate for us to keep saying, Bruce, there it is, 7-0-1 run that they've been on, plus nine goal differential. You want to talk about how clumped the Western Conference standings are. Like Vancouver is right back in the mix at 515. It's it's only in the you know mid 500s, 569 is is sort of the area that you need to be in uh in terms of the Pacific Division. So they're not all that far off. Can the Vancouver Canucks are they we we were counting them off before, writing them off for dead before their coaching change. Can they keep this this run that they've been uh, experiencing under Boudreaux, can they keep that going? And are they a realistic playoff shot at this point? Uh, Los Angeles Kings are in a playoff spot right now. So I think that there's reason to believe that Vancouver could, but it's going to take an awful lot. And it's going to take a lot on Thatcher Demko's shoulders. Uh, he's been so good for the Vancouver Canucks. And yes, Boudreaux has come in and made some changes. He sped the team up. They're, they're transitioning quicker. I like the way he's deploying people on the p- penalty kill now. He's using more of his players. And to me, that just keeps the energy up throughout the team. He's not wearing down players. So these little tweaks have paid off for Bruce Boudreaux. Uh, and when you look around the league with these new coaches, like this is a scenario where in Vancouver, they needed a fresh look. Well, you know, you look at a place like Florida where Andrew Burnett's apparently done a great job, right? That team just keeps rolling. And early in the season, they had a moment in Dece- in November where they lost four straight games, four or six. And you're thinking, I don't know if Andrew Burnett's going to be the guy they need to win. Well, they went home, they clobbered the Islanders, won four straight. It, it answered all those questions. And they've continued to put up points ever since. So this is a scenario of staying the course in Florida versus Vancouver, where you needed an overhaul. It just kind of shows how the different the situations can all be different when there's a coaching change. But we have seen success from teams in various positions so far this season that have made a change at the coaching position. Yeah, and I think the thing about Brunette, the question mark was, you know, how will this season go? It's such a surprise change when you see Joel Quenville out as a result of the Chicago Blackhawks investigation. And you're thinking, okay, well, Andrew Brunette has done and seen a lot of things in this game as a player, as an assistant coach, as someone who's worked in a front office. How will he handle being the head guy, the guy in charge? And would the Panthers like to have someone with more playoff experience? And the answer is no. They're thrilled with the results results that they've gotten from Andrew Burnett at this point. Uh, They see no reason to make a change, no reason to make anything definitive either. Uh, They're very, very happy with the job that Andrew Burnett has done. And it's been a little bit of a mixed bag with some of the other teams that have made changes The Philadelphia Flyers with Mike Yo on board. Uh, The Chicago Blackhawks started off well under Derek King and sort of have come back to the spot that they've been in previously under Jeremy Colleton. 
So we, we threw the East standings up there, and the Pittsburgh Penguins have been an unbelievable story all year long, starting so long without Sidney Crosby. He comes back. He has rounded back into the Sidney Crosby form of old. Brian Rust has been fantastic after a long absence. You wrote about him earlier this week on DailyFaceOff.com. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are about to get another former Hart Trophy winner back in Evgeny Malkin. And... You know, I think my big question to you is what kind of an adjustment will we see from Pittsburgh? Will there be a little bit of a stumble? You get to this point in the season, everyone's kind of set in their routine, their line mates, where things slot. Or is this a seamless transition to welcome Evgeny Malkin back into the lineup after 35 or so games? I think it will be. And I think especially having a long-term coach like Mike Sullivan, who's been there for, uh, you know, quite some time at this point, it makes it easier because everybody knows what to expect. And there's players within the Pittsburgh lineup that can move up and down between second, third line if necessary. And, you know, whenever you've got the Crosby, Malkin, one-two punch at center, that changes the dynamic of your team. And it, to me, when bringing Malkin back into the fold is is really going to pay off for the Penguins in the power play area. They're only clicking at 17% so far this season. And Malkin has that playmaking ability that others just don't have. The way he sees the game, he's got a big one-timer threat. I mean, over 400 career power play points in his career speaks for itself. He's going to make Pittsburgh more dynamic, more offensive when they need to. And I think... Also looking at it from another point, man, my first NHL start was against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And all I can ever remember in 2009 was Malkin taking over that game, blasting one-timers, scores a goal in the third to get his team on the board. Then he scores, I think, in overtime to win it on me. And it just cemented in my mind that this is a game-changing player that no matter how long he's been out, he's going to seamlessly go right back in, make a difference. And I think his teammates all know how to rally around him. They've been there long enough, a lot of them, that it should be pretty effortless once he comes back in, as it seems to happen, will be tonight. Yeah, I don't want to make you feel old, but that was a long time ago, and I have some significant question marks about Evgeny Malkin's knee. I mean, he had dealt mm -hmm. with knee issues in the past. This was a complete ACL tear and reconstruction. There was a lot that went into this surgery. Yes, he's been skating for a long time, previously on his own, and then with Pittsburgh Penguins uh, for a long time in practice. No contact sweater, now transitions. Uh, he's officially a game-time decision tonight. I think mm -hmm. we'll see him play, but he's missed. He's only played 88 out of the last 180 or so games, so he's missed a lot of time. Uh, he's missed a lot of time previously and, you know, you don't always just snap your fingers and get back to the level that you're once at 34 years old, uh, in the final year of his contract, that will be a situation worth monitoring how quickly he gets back and what he does for the Pittsburgh Penguins who have been unbelievable so far this season. Let's get to another edition of the blue paint with Mike McKenna. All right, Mike, you have been tracking goalie tandems all season long. I, I said previously, it's one of my favorite articles that you've done. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you re-rank the goalie tandems. Mm -hmm. And so from a number standpoint, you know, some teams have had really consistent goaltending to this point. I think of Calgary. I think of Dallas, Vancouver, where it's like no matter which guy's in net, you know sort of what you're getting from your goaltenders. And they know every night. But you know, not every team has had that same luxury. Teams like the Penguins and Blackhawks, there's a big discrepancy between the top guy and then the next guy. What can you tell us? What do you what stands out about those two teams and their netminders when their number one isn't in there? 
Well, let's take a look at the Penguins first. And you've got Tristan Jari, who in my eyes should be getting some talk about being a Vezina Trophy candidate this year, because I think that during that time that the Penguins are class. so many players, it is a crowded class because goaltending is better than it's ever been. But he should be in that mix. Okay, He carried the Penguins uh, when Crosby is out, when other players are out of the lineup. Uh, and, and I always look at the, the delta between the starter and the backup for a team or the one and the two, or whoever you may, uh, whatever you may call them. And there's a big time difference here, okay? Jari, you just look at the numbers. They speak for themselves. 931 save percentage to dismiss 888. Smith to me, when I watch him, you know, you can tell he's not in a rhythm. He hasn't played a lot. He's forcing things. Now he's in COVID-19 protocol. Uh, the third guy in Pittsburgh is Louis Domingue, who may not see. Uh, the Penguins are going on a big road trip to California and Vegas, and it, there's no back-to-back games, probably the Tristan Jari show. But I, I think this is a different team when Pittsburgh plays in front of Jari. Jari handles the puck so well. That's an underrated thing for goaltenders that people may not think about. He can get the puck to his defenseman's stick really quickly, effortly, efficiently. It makes a difference. And I think he's really thrived with goalie coach Andy Kyoto. So there's a big delta there. And for a team that's contending like Pittsburgh, they may want to be looking towards an upgrade at the trade deadline. Now, I think when you look to Chicago, different scenario. Team that's not going to make the playoffs. They've got a really valuable goaltender in Marc-Andre Fleury who's in the last year of his contract, but it's a huge ticket at $7 million. Will he get moved? I can't predict that, but there's a big difference once again between him and Kevin Lankin and who was supposed to be at this point a goalie of the future for the Chicago Blackhawks. And when I watch Lankin in, I think, man, he just doesn't look confident. He doesn't look like he's tracking the puck. He doesn't look like he's making reads at an NHL level. He's he's attacking straight. He's not rotating. And I just don't think that he, at this stage of his career, is thinking the game at the pace that he needs to. Whereas Marc-Andre Fleury, where things started off rough in Chicago to begin the season, their five-on-five play was terrible in front of him. He's made a couple of stylistic changes. And credit to Kevin Woodley of Ingle Magazine, who uh, talked to Fleury and found out, hey, I'm now playing overlap. It's a, it's a type of post integration where you basically stay in front of your post. Well, Fleury actually credited Kevin Lankinen for teaching him how mm. to do that and make that transition, which is really interesting. Uh, and so Fleury, to me, is right back onto his pace of playing as you would expect. And Lankinen just hasn't lived up to what the Blackhawks want. So big discrepancy there. Kevin Lankinen hasn't won many games, whereas Fleury, he's, won, he's gotten points in seven of his last 10, Frank. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, teams are always looking for goaltending depth, and especially at this time of the year, especially with what's gone on this season with regards to COVID, for a team like Pittsburgh or for a team that might be looking for some goaltending depth, what are the names that could potentially be on the market that really intrigue you? Yeah, you know, I don't have much insider knowledge as to this, uh, who may actually be, but these are goalies that I think really fit the dynamic of who you'd like to have for some depth going into playoffs if you can find a way to get them under the salary cap. You know, Thomas Grice has been a steady goaltender in the National Hockey League. Detroit hasn't been great defensively, but we've seen what he can do for the Islanders previously in a playoff setting. Uh, Cap hits a little bit big at 3.6. The actual money's higher, but maybe you can fit him in. I think he's somebody that people trust in goal. Uh, Forsberg, I'm sure the Senate, he's, all four of these goalies are on expiring contracts. And I mean, the Senators will sell anything probably at this point, I think, uh, if in goal, is, at least with Forsberg. Where does he fit in in their future? I don't know if you can get a return there. Probably take it. But he's been uh, the best goaltender for the Senators. Martin Jones, I mean, Frank, do you think maybe the Flyers could extend him first? Because to me, he's a solid 
uh, choice maybe to grab at a value rate if you need some experience in playoffs. I, I could see him extended or traded. I, I'm curious what you may think about Jones and kind of Corpus Allo because he's been he's been on the block all year. He was your number one on the trade list early this season. Yeah, I think a lot of teams are intrigued by Corpus Allo, but this is sort of the second straight season that he's played at really down numbers below 900. And and I think everyone's curious, how did this guy that looked so good in the bubble for Columbus, how has his game gone so far the other way? And so um, reasonable cap hit, though, and I think he's a guy that, you know, you look towards a fresh start. Maybe he just finds mm-hmm. a way to rejuvenate his career somewhere else. Martin Jones, I think, has done everything the Flyers have asked of him. Uh, goaltending has not been the issue in Philly this year. I know they were hoping that they could get back to, uh, you know, you get back to that 910, 9-12, 9-15 save percentage for your netminders, and all of a sudden their team would would have so much more success um, and that hasn't been the case. It's really been, I think, a roster construction issue that's plagued the Flyers this year. So the backup goalie market, uh, if, frankly, the goaltending market in general will be one, a fascinating one to watch. Interesting to see a, an Ottawa Senators netminder on the list as well. So uh, lots to pick from. And certainly, you know, when you look at the goaltending market as a whole, it, it's pretty rare that we see a, a number one guy that mm-hmm. end, ends up on the move at the trade deadline for whatever reason, GM have been reticent to do it. Robin Leonard, I think, is really the last big guy to go. But I think this is the year where you see, you know, potentially a number one guy like a Flurry uh, go to a curated spot, a, a contending team that uh, he thinks, you know, has a real chance to win for a temporary run uh, at glory. So this has been another edition of the Blue Paint. Thank you very much, Mike. All right, Mike, it's time for our Daily Faceoff inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. And the question today, as you listen to Ken Holland holding his media availability in Edmonton today, a scheduled availability, not to announce anything, but really just to fill some time between games, he said, I believe in second chances, confirming that he has also talked to Evander Kane's agent in Dan Milstein. Uh, so my question to you is, will Evander Kane be under contract contract with a new NHL team over the next week? No, but I guess if you believe in second chances, you believe in eighth and ninth and 13th and 15th chances if you're talking about Kane here. So uh, I might have to recalibrate that if, if you're Ken Holland, but I mean, Holland needs some scoring and Vander Kane, you cannot argue his numbers, what he's done in the National Hockey League. There's a reason why you'd want to bring him in from an offensive standpoint. He plays hard, by all means on the ice, is a player you would like to have. He even went down to the American Hockey League and that's a hard league to perform in. After demotion, he had eight points in six games and played hard from what everybody I talked to. So will there be interest? I'm sure there's interest, but man, like the locker room's sacred, Frank. And I just can't see this resonating well with teams. I mean, people talk, we all talk, we all know what what someone's reputation is. And I don't know if there's a locker room strong enough in the NHL to to want to take that on, that's willing to take that on. If it happens, it's just going to be a straight up power play from management position where they say, all right, we're going for it. We need the scoring. We don't care about anything else. We're going to hope this works. 
It only takes one, Mike. I mean, look, when you yep. look at the Edmonton Oilers, they really would have to consider something like this. I think just because of a cap situation that they're in and that so many teams are in. Wait, you mean we could get this guy for seven fifty or for $1 million? Like, let's take a chance. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of teams are also pretty confident and sometimes blindly confident that they have the leadership, the management structure, the head coach that could – you know, eventually snap Evander Kane back into line. I said it on yesterday's show. I think uh, giving Evander Kane another chance now after yet another um, alleged fumble or mistake uh, over the Christmas holiday break would just send the wrong message to a guy that uh, has gotten, as you said, uh, plenty of second chances before. I think his time in San Jose was supposed to be a second chance. Come in and prove it. Mm -hmm. Then he gets the $50 million contract and all of a sudden, it's a different story. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. I mentioned on Twitter earlier as well, just before the show, the impartial arbitrator that will be ruling on Evander Kane's grievance against the San Jose Sharks for his contract termination for material breach is the Honorable Richard A. Levy, a former District of Columbia Superior Court judge. The NHLPA has asked for an expedited hearing. Levy has also been the arbitrator of cases for the NBA. Uh, National Basketball Players Association as well. So uh, just a little detail as we continue to you know, shed some more light on the process. That is our inbox question of the day. Let's get to Tyler Uremchuk with our daily face-off daily bets. How'd you do last night? Uh, last night, the Rangers could not come through for me. And uh, luckily, I got the assist prop on Nazem Kadri in a nice third period comeback for the Colorado Avalanche. So one and one, but Kadri is minus 120. So we lost a little bit of money last night. Looked to bounce back tonight with two plays. So let's jump into it, courtesy of our friends over at PointsBet. And I am starting with the matchup at the bottom there between the Buffalo Sabres and the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I really like taking Tampa Bay on the puck line here. Before our show started, this was at minus 110. It's already up to minus 121. Obviously, I want to see an Andre Vasilevsky start before I put any money on this game. Don't want to trust a Lightning backup. Um, but four straight losses for the Buffalo Sabres. Tampa Bay, they're only 2-2 two and two in January, but they've covered the puck line in, two of, in both of those victories. So I like Tampa Bay to win by two or more tonight, taking them on the puck line against Buffalo. And my player prop for the day is Jake Gensel to pick up an assist in the Penguins game. He's hit this thing in seven of 10 and four of his last five. He's actually had multiple points in five of his last six games. Jake Gensel on an absolute heater. And I love the fact we're getting plus money on this player prop. Plus 115, can't go wrong there. I debated Crosby. But I'm going with Gensel and I'm chasing a bit of a better payout here, Frank. Always in line for chasing a better payout. Thank you, Tyler, for our daily bets segment. That brings us to garbage time. Mike McKenna, what's caught your attention? What's caught your eye from around the NHL? Well, I think it was really interesting this week how the Carolina Hurricanes got into such injury trouble that they needed a goaltender desperately. And they went to the well, Frank. They picked up Jack LaFontaine out of college. Signs from the University of Minnesota, uh, Golden Gopher. And he's had an okay season, but last year, mega year, 934 save percentage, accolades, top goaltender. It's also his fifth year of college hockey. And he's 24 years old. He was drafted in 2016 by the Hurricanes in the third round. He's had a really kind of interesting route. Spent two years at Michigan, went back to the BCHL, goes to Minnesota, now three years in. Bottom line, Carolina needed goalies really bad. And they reach out to Jack LaFontaine and they say, hey, we need you. Can you come out, sign this one-year deal? You make it NHL games. We may put you on the taxi squad. 
I don't know how this is going to play out, but it's pretty interesting that we're in a world now where teams, even when they have enough goalies under contract, like Carolina, they started the year with five goalies. They're down to two healthy ones. Now three with Jack LaFontaine. That's a tough spot to be in, man. And I think some of these teams in playoffs are just, you're going to be crazy if you don't run in with three goaltenders. Like, look at St. Louis, Bennington, Huso, Lindgren. Why would you get rid of any of those three if you want to make a deep run? Same way with the Rangers. You got Shashurkin, Georgiev, Kincaid. Like, you're going to get rid of Georgiev? I think that really speaks to it. So goaltending depth, absolutely at a premium. Congrats to Jack LaFontaine. Uh, I hope he gets his first game and hopefully a first win and plays well for the Hurricanes. But a really cool, unique scenario that we're seeing play out. Yeah, and Jack LaFontaine starts on the taxi squad for the Carolina Hurricanes, to your point. Just cool to see someone come up from college in the middle of the season. It rarely ever happens. LaFontaine said his teammates at Minnesota were extremely supportive. You know, it's hard to walk away in the middle of a season, especially uh, when you've got some some uh, frozen four hopes if you're playing at Minnesota, which they always do. And LaFontaine, though, has accomplished a lot, as you said. Mike Richter Award winner last year, top goalie in college hockey. and Kind of just a cool thing for, I'm sure, you to see as well. You keep a close mm-hmm. eye on the college game and uh, are a volunteer uh, goaltending coach at St. Lawrence. So not, not a lot of people know that. So Mike does that on the side. In addition to the other coaching duties he has, his 8U team, a little Warriors hockey. Mike is uh, Mike's a busy guy, so we're happy to have him at uh, Daily Faceoff. And that'll do it for today's show, Mike. I'll even wash your color for 10 bucks. <laughs> love it Uh, that'll do it for today's show Uh, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news insight and analysis from around the National Hockey League it's me and Tyler tomorrow we'll be back at 12 noon Eastern for another 30 minute run have a good day everyone we'll talk to you then thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff show make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode